don't believe what people tell you when they're trying to tell you who you are. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, that's a big climb. You sure you can get them? Put your hand up and go for it and believe in yourself and get your experience. But don't listen to other people. It can be the worst thing you do. Welcome to Building Doors. In this series, you'll develop the skills to build a roadmap for success, get inspired by those leaders who have come before you, and give you the confidence to stop waiting and start building. Today, we have with us the original boss lady herself, Amanda Rose. Founder of six businesses, Australia's foremost strategic connector, professional development trainer, business consultant, and keynote speaker. As one of the most influential people on LinkedIn, Amanda has been quoted as an internet winning blogger by Time.com and regularly contributes to ABC The Drum, Huffington Post, Mary Claire, CEO Magazine, Sydney Morning Herald, and the Australian Financial Review. She is a huge advocate for women in business and is featured on weekly spots on Sky News Weekend Edition, Channel 7 Sunrise Hot Topics segment. She also has a Boss Lady Careers column for News Limited, which includes The Daily Telegraph, Courier Mail, Herald Sun and The Advertiser. I first heard about Amanda Rose actually through one of my clients. I was speaking to him about launching a business myself and the challenges of also doing so in a male-dominated industry. And one of the first comments that he made to me was... You have to connect with, follow, and speak with Amanda Rose. She's the absolute go-to in this space. And let me tell you, he wasn't wrong. It's not hard to see why Amanda is a huge advocate for women in small business, and I've been really looking forward to this discussion and discussing some of the barriers being faced by small business and how we can collectively overcome those obstacles and advocate for change. Welcome to the Building Doors podcast, Amanda. Thank you for having me. So I'm really keen to get an insight. So founding six businesses is such a huge thing. So talk us through the businesses you've founded and what led you on that journey. The thing is, I start a business when someone either tells me I can't do something or they annoy me, right? I get irritated. (laughs) So really the biggest business I started was Businesswoman Media, which I've since sold. And that was because no one would publish what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share as much information as I could to help women, whether it's their career or their business journey. And everyone was, oh, you can't say that. They might upset someone. You can't do it. And I said, you know what? Screw this. It can't be that hard to start a media business. So I did. And it was hard. I did my research and I realized the profit margin, something like that's quite tight and it takes a long time to do it. But I hired a really good editor and I just hit the ground running. And I followed that system throughout. So what group were not being represented? Who is being silenced? Who can I advocate for? Which is why it led to Western Sydney Women, Small Business Women Australia, Future is Bright, Western Sydney Youth, and just kept going. Amazing. And so when you decided to do that, building a media business, right? What were some of the struggles you faced or maybe obstacles that were put in your way when you wanted to maybe say something that people were telling you not to say? It was really shocking that unless you were going to speak a certain way or say things a particular way, you weren't accepted by mainstream media or you weren't accepted even by independent media. Mm -hmm. You had to fall in line with their narrative Mm -hmm. and it wasn't honest. And I have a real problem with not being able to communicate honestly with people. So I just realized that if I was just me, then my people would find me. And I was given that advice by someone in the media industry at the time. They said, just be you and people will find you. And as a result, 
I was able to be a voice for those people. But the barrier was essentially, I love barriers. I really do because it helps me create my own world. And when I did though, what was really interesting is that in Australia, because it was a dot-com and it was a global brand, in Australia, I got very little recognition. And I was on CNN, time quoted me. All these people did internationally, but Australia pretty much dismissed it, which also then showed me how hard it was for women in Australia to be taken seriously. Hmm. What do you think it is about Australia? <laughs> Why do you think that happened? What are some of your thoughts around some of the cultural themes maybe? Oh, in a, yeah, tell me. We're known for tall poppy syndrome. <laughs> it is. I reckon it should be literally part of our anthem. It is so bad that... You are accepted as long as you don't go past a certain line, as long as you're not smarter. I used to always get told, you're ahead of your time, Amanda. And I thought, well, how about you're just behind the times? Or how about you're just threatened by what I'm about to do? And that happened with Western Sydney women as well. It was very much, oh, that's cute and don't worry about it, ahead of your time. I said, no, I'm doing this and mm. I'll just do it without you, essentially. Mm. And yeah, tall poppy syndrome is the biggest problem in this country. Mm. One of the things I've seen you talk about before as well, which you kind of touched on there, was the class ceiling. So tell us more about that theme because I found that really interesting. I was reading up and I was like, oh, that is a thing. That is definitely a thing too. It is a thing. So essentially there's a hierarchy everywhere you go. And in Australia, especially in New South Wales, Western Sydney is seen as a group of people that aren't ambitious, aren't very successful, don't really want to be anything, which is all rubbish. But as a result, they have not received the same amount of resources, opportunities and everything. In fact, they're used by other areas. So there's this whole, if you push past a certain level that you're supposed to stay in, people are uncomfortable. So I did a TEDx talk on the stigma of Western Sydney because I was sick of the fact that you were, had to hide where you were from. People were saying, oh, I'm from Bankstown, and they were hiding it because they were too ashamed to say it. And I thought, no, literally it's the fastest growing, one of the fastest growing regions in Australia with all the infrastructure and all this money and everything that's happening. We should be saying, well, hang on a minute, we don't want you in our area and we want our families, children, connections to get the works. But it's real. If you go anywhere and you say you're from Western Sydney, people go, oh, and I still get the whole, well, haven't you done well for yourself? Mm. I know. That's a fun one. (laughs) And when someone says that to you, what do you say? How do you respond? Well, it depends on the situation, but I often point out that I had further to climb and I'm more successful than them. So what's their excuse? Yeah, I like that. And what I've loved about you is that you did this from a need. Like you started this business seeing a need that people had needed to overcome barriers. So let's say you're talking to community of Western Sydney. What advice would you give now in the current landscape that they might be wanting to start a small business? What are some of the things they could do to overcome their circumstances? Don't believe what people tell you when they're trying to tell you who you are. So don't believe on the limitations that others are, oh, you can't do that. Oh, that's a big client. Are you sure you can get them? Or, oh, that's cute. You can't let what other people say restrict your ideas and what you do. So you have to be very focused in what you're doing and follow the money. There is so much money in Western Sydney, whether it's small business, large companies, government, go for it. Put your hand up and go for it and believe in yourself and get your experience, but don't listen to other people. It can be the worst thing you do. Can you tell me more about Western Sydney Women and some of the programs that you do so run and facilitate so that people that may not be aware that are listening can get an insight into how what help's available 
to them. Yep. So essentially we run programs from high school. So high school girls have got Future is Bright, which gets girls into trade, STEM, automotive, or whatever it is, finance, politics, and mentor them and give them the connections that they need. We do wise women, so women 45 plus looking for work. Careers Connect, that's mums returning to work that need the confidence and the skills and the connections to employers. We do Job Summit. We do Women in Aviation. We do an awards. We do International Women's Day Summit. So we're constantly pushing women forward and connecting them to opportunities, upskilling and employers so they can be who they want to be and who they're meant to be. Love it. Tell us about some of the personal stories because I think sometimes, you know, and everyone's got them, those people that really touched you that were over, that have come to you and had an impact in their life. What's someone you're really proud of that you've seen grow or transform? Hard to pick one. It is hard to pick one and I'll pick one in particular. And I remember I ran a workshop at Western Sydney University for students at the university and there was one particular girl called Corinne and she came up to me, she was finishing degree and she was like, I really want to have my own fitness business. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I've been mentoring her now for 10 years and she's gone through a few of our programs and she now runs her own successful business. She does nutrition. She does fitness. And she listened and she applied and she had the same barriers coming from Western Sydney, people not taking her seriously. And I'm like, forget that, focus on this, forget that, focus on this. And she did it. And I see this happen so much, even with women that think, oh, I can't. I'm like, no, you can. But more than the younger generation, because if their parents didn't have the opportunities, they literally say to them, don't bother, you're not going to get anywhere because of the real barriers out there. So I'm like, well, hang on a minute, you can. I have another girl that was part of our Women in Aviation Mentoring Program. She's now overseas on a scholarship to become an astronaut. And from the connections that we've made with them, another girl got headhunted for a job because of what we told her to do during our Executive Women in STEM program. So all of these successes, and it's not that it's, oh, we've done this for you. It's the way it should be. This is how it should be. But in Western Sydney, it doesn't happen that way. It's interesting as well. One of the things you talked about recently, and I want to talk about as well as getting more women into small business or whatever their path may be, astronaut, whatever they want to do, just giving them that courage and confidence to know they can do it. The other thing that I've heard you talk about is small business and keeping our small businesses and looking after our small businesses. Tell me about some of the challenges you see right now in the current landscape for small business and what people can be doing or what should the government and things like that be doing to overcome them? <laughs> well, I could go on forever here. So <laughs> we got time. <laughs> see, what people don't realise is what small business is and that 93% of businesses in Australia are small business. And if we're not supporting them in hiring people and keeping things out, we're going to have high unemployment. So small business has got, you know, the super increase they've got to pay. There's extra leave they have to pay legally and then increasing their minimum wage and their electricity prices, supply costs, they're not immune to that. They still have the exact same costs as the employee and they want to help. So a lot of small businesses want to pay well. They want to have a great environment. However, no one is actually giving them any tax rebates, tax relief, nothing. So they're literally just being squeezed and what will happen is they'll end up in debt, which I've seen happen, or they just completely close down. And then you've got 20 to 50 staff instantly without a job. So unless we're supporting our biggest employer in this country, which is the small business community, and they're the ones with the biggest heart, mind you, then we're literally going to end up with a country where just 
the top dogs and the large companies existing and then people on welfare or minimum wage because large companies don't like to pay that much. And you'll see a lot in the entrepreneur space, a lot of really good-hearted people with great ideas don't last longer than a year, but then a big company will come up and buy them or copy them, right? So the government should be not just incentivizing entrepreneurs, but saying, well, how can we help you survive? They don't Mm. have the money to pay for accountants and lawyers for loopholes to get away, and nor do they want to. They Mm. actually want to do the right thing. But if people don't understand that you can pay people more money, that's great, but that's only short term because if that small business isn't bringing in the money and their expenses are going up, they'll shut down. Mm. And you know what? I saw it in COVID. The community wants small business. So not only is it socially responsible as well, but I saw we had a little cafe around the corner and they could not operate in COVID. And guess what? Everyone was coming in, getting their little takeaway containers, just doing whatever they could to inject money into those businesses. So it's as well as the government's, it's also a personal responsibility to support those small businesses. Otherwise, guess what? You won't be able to have your coffee and your, your cafe around the corner as well. So, And that's right. People need to understand that they're not making massive amount of profits and buying their second yacht. That money is paying the school fees. That money is paying their rent or their mortgage. It is their job essentially. And they've got to manage all these other things. It'd probably be easy for them to go in to a large company and just get a job, but they're not. They're investing back into the community. Absolutely. And I'm glad you touched on that because small businesses don't get the concessions. They're taxed. There's no benefit that they are given to help with those. Do you know what the statistics are around the amount of small businesses that fail between? Well, they're expected some research, and this is just from small businesses actually saying that they're expected around 30% to close over the next year. And if you look at who's going to administration and solvent, if you look at a building company, for example, considered Mm. a small business, but their suppliers are also small businesses like with the tradies. So if Mm. they're gone insolvent in administration, whatever needs to happen, often they don't want to, then there's tradies that aren't being paid. They might have to then shut down their business because there's $30,000 they're not getting for the year. Then they can't pay their staff and their apprenticeships or the apprentices and their apprentices then quit and they're on welfare. So people don't understand the ripple effect of one business going under, but it's increasing at quite a scary rate. Yeah. So in terms of what guides you and you as an individual, because I can hear that you are, and I love it, that you're not afraid to talk about the tough stuff and you will always talk openly and honestly in the media content that I've seen from you as well. How do you get that courage and confidence to stay true to your own values and continue with your message despite the obstacles? How do you have that mindset yourself? Well, it's because I'm here to do a job. I'm not here to build a profile for myself so I can then get the accolades and be worshipped. I'm actually here to help people. That's my purpose on this earth. I then make money in doing that, which is the commercial side of things, and then help others on how to make money. But that is my job. My job is to literally help others survive this week, this month. You know, I'm not utopian. I don't try and fix the world in 10 years from now. I really couldn't care what happens in 10 years from now because people can't pay their rent this week. So my job is to help people in different ways and also to advocate for those who don't have a voice and those that are too scared to speak up because they feel like they'll be victimised if they do. Mm. So from what your understanding is, obviously you've had multiple businesses and founded those businesses as well. When someone's looking to start a small business, where can someone even start? So (sighs) what are some of the key steps they could follow just to get started? What advice would you give there? 
Well, the first thing I would say is don't believe the people that tell you that you can make a million dollars in 12 months or that if you give them lots of your money that they'll help you make lots of money. Um, Firstly, be aware (laughs) of that because that's the first thing you look at and you believe the people online, wow, they're doing so well. No, they're not, right? They're actually not. So I would go look at all the free resources the government has for you. That's always very helpful. And pay for key pieces of expertise. So pay for an hour with an accountant, pay for an hour with a lawyer, pay for an hour with a PR person. Don't just go and get a coach per se, because a lot of people get a coach, but the coach has no track record in building successful businesses. You might need a mentor or you might want to join a group. So for example, we have Small Business Women Australia and we have membership options, very affordable for women to actually get the advice that they need as a start, but really pay for the expertise per person. You're not going to get one person that knows it all. So go and do that. And you also need to make sure that your idea is, can be commercialized. Just because your friends mm. think that your cupcakes taste great, <laughs> right, doesn't mean you can make a business out of that, right? And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, you should sell these. Okay, and if someone says that to you, say to them, okay, will you buy 12? Oh, I like that. Because if they don't, then they're just blowing hot air up your butt. <laughs> I love I think I've told my sister to start a cupcake business. Now I feel really bad. No, <laughs> she, she should have, yeah, she should have come back to me and say, yes. will you buy 12? And a lot of friends and family expect it for free, right? Mm. No, charge them. Yeah. That was one of the things I did read that you spoke about was people saying, I know you, I want a discount or, you know, your mates rates and things like that as well. But Well, you can do mates rates, but what you do is you increase your cost and then the mates rates just brings it back down to the normal cost. <laughs> Love it. One of the things that I loved about you as well is you speak about being a strategic connector and you're so well connected across so many different media avenues as well. And you've built that yourself. I've heard you speak about it. So how does somebody start to build a network? What are some of the steps they can take as well to build their own strategic network within their own area of expertise? Mm, Time and effort, which is something a lot of people don't understand. You have to write a lot. You have to learn. You have to implement what you know, test it, make sure you're good at it, write about it again, share your information, go to networking events, speak at events, have the coffees with the right people, make sure it's transactional. What are you giving others? What are they giving you? I spent a decade pretty much going to a function every day. I'm constantly was going out. Now I can pick and choose where I go. Mm. But back then I was constantly out there at chambers of commerce, different types of events, even events that I felt very overwhelmed in because I had just started out. But people need to know who you are. You need to leverage social media. You need to communicate. You can't hide away, oh, I don't like networking, too bad. Oh, I don't like doing Instagram, stiff shit. (laughs) Like I don't (laughs) care if you want to be known for something, practice it, implement it, teach people about it on repeat. I'm glad you talked about that as well with getting out there because I was speaking to somebody the other day and she said, oh, I really want to have my own business but I'm a perfectionist. I can't start. What advice would you give to somebody that's saying I'm not good enough yet or I don't have enough knowledge yet to start a business? Just say, okay, you can continue being broke until you feel that you're ready. And it usually, (laughs) you know, it usually shocks them because I just say, if you like earning no money, that's great. I'm not comfortable doing that. So that's why I get started. And they're like, oh, and it's that kind of, usually it's not about perfectionism. Usually it's about their worry that others will see what they've done and pick Mm -hmm. it apart. And they'll say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, why are you doing that for? That's usually what it is. It's this people pleasing 
fear that someone's going to pull you up. And the reality is, who cares? It's not their business. Mm-hmm. It's your business. Love it. Now, in the culture of Australia, so we've talked about tall poppy syndrome, right? Has it changed over the years or what do you see now in the current business landscape versus the last 10, 15 years? I don't think tall poppy syndrome has gone anywhere. What I think is that because of the push for women to have a voice, for example, and diversity, that a lot of already, what I could say, big business or that kind of the business world in general have gone, oh, hang on a minute. The smart ones are like, yes, we need diversity because it's smart commercially to do so. And everyone else is like, oh, we better do it or we're going to be ignored. So I think we're taking advantage of the push of, hey, do you do know that other people also have a brain and have ideas and sometimes they're better than yours and that's okay. So that can work to your benefit. However, I find in the female circles, if you go past a certain level, so you might advance further than the group that you have, a true friend will join you on that journey and the rest will literally be like, mm, she thinks she's better than us now. or And that's just a sign to get rid of them and start another group and get mm. more friends. But it's still alive and well. And mm. the way to deal with that is to always be just under the radar. So don't try and be number one all the time. Be number two because number one will always have a target on them. Mm, that's really interesting. And do you feel like your tribe, you know, obviously there's friends, friends since primary school that are my diehards, your friend circles and stuff, did you find that they changed as you got more successful over the years? Your friendship circles changed too. It did. And I think many reasons. One, it changed because I just grew up in a lot of areas and they didn't. So what they thought was okay behavior, I no longer did and that's fine. So you just kind of parted ways. But when it came to the success and the profile, my friends, I don't think they know what I actually do. (laughs) They know I help small business. They know I help women and they're like, yes, but they don't really care. (laughs) They just want to go for a walk, go for a coffee and talk about things, you know, like the how to handle staff or how to do this. But they're not fussed by that. A true friend is someone that if you lost everything tomorrow, would they still come over and visit? Would they still be in contact with you? They're the ones that you want. They're the ones that will pull you up when you shouldn't be doing something or you're overwhelmed or you're doing too much or they give you feedback on things and don't wear that again or the really good friends. And I have a couple of them and they're long lasting and they're great. But everyone else, I find it's kind of like a revolving door. They come in, they go out. They come in, they go out. Mm. And the real friends, I think of this like when I had my daughter, I was really struggling emotionally there and I wasn't coming back to them. And one of my friends just showed up at my door. I said, what are you doing here? She's like, you needed me. Yes. Like, how did you know? She said, because you went quiet. So you know. Oh, yeah. Know. Yeah, I've got actually there's one in particular. If I'm too quiet, they're probably called triple zero um, <laughs> and, and everyone around. And that's what you want because it's about who you are as a person. You want people that will grow with you. And that might mm-hmm. also mean that you grow your business or you might quit your business and it might be your career journey, but they grow with you. You don't want people that are stunted emotionally. You want people to actually grow with you because you don't want to be 60, 70 years old still acting like you're 20. Yeah, great example. One of the things that you've spoken about before that your mother used to say to you growing up was the future is bright. Mm -hmm. And you've spoken before about the impact that she had in your life. Now, as a mother myself of a daughter, I am interested in learning more around how do you think the way that you grew up with her has, has shaped you as a woman, Amanda? Oh, I literally say I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for my mum. So 
the biggest thing is that she was an example. So how mm. she responded to things, how she handled situations, she was very much an example. She was always the grown-up in the situation, making the sacrifices needed to make. Now, at the time, her friends or people around you would think, oh, why would you do that? That's ridiculous. But it set an example for me and it also gave me stability. And then wise counsel on how to handle difficult situations. And she used to always say, I'm the only one that's going to tell you this. <laughs> Right, because she's not you know even though I see her as like a my best friend she's like I'm your mother first right and I will say what needs to be said I will pull you up when needs to be pulled up I will and it's so hard to have that in your life and that's what mums do and I think the world has devalued motherhood so much and a woman if she works you shouldn't be working if you don't work you should be contributing you can't win as a mum. So I think that personal relationship you have with your children is between you and your children. And I think making the sacrifices that you personally think need to be made for the growth of your children is huge because I see my mum made so many for me and I wouldn't be who I am if she wasn't who she is. I love that. What were some of the sacrifices that you saw her make over those years? Oh, goodness everything. So she would make sure she was there to pick me up, to take me places. She would take me to universities when I was in primary school to see what they were like. Because I come from working class family and I was the first on both sides to go to university. And she wanted to make sure that I had that opportunity. She would get me tutoring. She would be creative with me and make sure I used that. She would get me to learn a musical instrument, train me in the house, as well as tell me how to be a leader at the same time. It was kind of this 24-7 training on surviving life and being successful and independent. And Mm. that takes time. And I remember mum used to have this magnet on the fridge and she said, the best thing you can give your child is time. And that's what she did. And this is the thing, because she worked as well, she took me to work with her, right? She took me everywhere with her. And no one (laughs) one gave a lip. This was back in like centuries ago, right? She even went (laughs) to like some, I remember when she went to this thing at Maya, and it was some makeup thing. And she took me and they said, oh, no, sorry, she can't come in. And she, she's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm like with life with people. She, she didn't hesitate. I just wait. She, mm. she just sat there, whatever. I just came along. If I needed to be there, I was there. I love that. I like how you talked about valuing motherhood. Mm-hmm. We had a guest, I think our last guest that was on, Margie Worrell, talked about one thing and I really it stuck with me and she said, how can we teach our children to live their dreams if we're not living ours? Mm. And she was talking about the importance of that, of being able to say, yes, I'm going to go out and work, but taking them along for the journey is yep. great too in the fact that you're, and the fact that I could just see your mum going, no, she's, she's coming in, yeah. you know, we're, we're doing this. Did you get your makeup done at the time? Do you remember? Did you get I involved? actually got mascara put on and when I came <laughs> home, my father said, get that shit off your face. <laughs> I was so like 12 or 11 or something. <laughs> I don't know. You would have loved that. My daughter's obsessed. My daughter's five. She's obsessed with makeup. I was like, you've got time. Not yet. Not yet. I know. <laughs> so with all of your work with Western Sydney Women yeah. and the other business ventures that you've done as well, what is it that you're hoping to change? So what are some of the outcomes you would just love to see over the next five to ten years? I'd like to see girls and women have the access, the resources to be able to do what they choose to do, whatever that is. So whether they want to be a stay-at-home mom or whether they want to be an astronaut or whether they want to be a small business owner, that they succeed at what they do, that they feel supported and enjoy it. And especially in the small business community, I want to see more women have profitable businesses 
a lot of women don't understand the need to profit and to not just, oh, I've got some money that's come in, but yeah, but it costs you twice as much to bring that money in. So you're actually losing money. So seeing mm-hmm. financially independent women that are enjoying their life and then they, by default, because they're successful and independent financially, they can help others. Yes, I love that. In terms of, I guess, your future now, what's next for you? Are you looking, do you have goals yourself? What's the next big thing for Amanda Rose? Look, I never give away what I'm doing next. (laughs) It's a rule that I have that you never share your goals with anyone in case they don't happen or in case someone tries to destroy them. So I'm very private about that. But ultimately, overall, I want to continue helping people learn or build skill sets that they may not have been raised on. I always Mm -hmm. say not everyone had a mum like me, so I want to share what I was taught and to help others. And not everyone was taught or self-taught a lot of things in small business. I want to share that. So more avenues to share what I know that helped me survive and helped me thrive is what I want to do. Excellent. And in terms of positive change moving forward, are there some things that you can see or some glimmers of hope that you might be able to see over the next few years in that small business space for women? What are some of the changes that we might expect or do we still need to be doing so much more? I just think women need to ask for more and spend more time focused on the important things in their business and stop wasting their time. Then we will see like an insurgence of successful small business women. Yeah. Somebody said to me the other day, one of the things is that they had not put themselves forward for an opportunity. She was an amazing executive and she, we're having coffee and she said she got called about it and she's like, I would never have put myself forward for that opportunity. She got headhunted by the yep. GM. And I just said, why? And she goes, I don't know. I really don't understand. So what is it? What do you see that maybe holds us back sometimes of putting ourselves forward? Well, a lot of women are told constantly they're not good enough or they haven't done a good job and they don't take criticism very well. They see it as a personal attack when it's not. Even if it is Mm. a personal attack, you've got to ignore it. And the reality Mm. is if you don't ask, you don't get, right? So Mm. you can't complain that you're not moving forward if you're not asking for anything. And if you ask and you don't get it, move on move to the next thing. Mm. You know, it's business, it's transactional. You do your bit, you move forward. People will laugh at you, mock you, ridicule you. So what? Keep moving forward. So you've got to really stop thinking or worrying about what other people say about you, what other people think you mm. should and shouldn't do, or what you can and can't do. If I thought that, goodness me, I wouldn't be where I am because I'm a Western mm. Sydney girl that really should have just stayed in her spot. And I just refused to listen. I thought, oh, hang on a minute. And let me tell you, I've been on boards. I've been on all the top level gigs. I hang out with all those people. And when you get there, you realize it's not that hard. Yeah. You've been on boards and things like that. What are some of the comments you've maybe had that you've had to overcome in the, at that level? Did you get anything or was there much resistance there or were they really acceptable? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've left a couple, been asked to leave a couple. <laughs> so they often felt really uncomfortable with me bringing up things. They, I was very much a tokenistic female or the token Westie on boards and then I would come up with a very wise question or suggestion and they'd be like, why are you asking this? or I hope you're Mm. not going to continue with this questioning or try and dismiss you altogether. And I'll be like, no, I want this in the minutes. You shouldn't have done that and I want to know this. So I think 
Don't worry that you're the token. Don't worry about any of that. Turn up, observe, listen, and participate, but they get quite a shock. And it's because they've just had it so easy for so long. Having someone with a different viewpoint shocks them. But I quite like that. I like that you get Mm. to input. And the reality is you cannot worry about what other people think. Evidently, I don't. So you go in, you do what is right, you give your ideas, and if they like it, they like it, they don't, they don't. Mm. In terms of your own personal mindset as well, obviously Strike Me is really strong-minded and you're able to go in there with your belief and no matter the consequence in terms of what someone's going to say, you've got that strong mindset. What are some of the daily practices and things like you do from a personal level to keep your mindset strong, your resilience strong, and that kind of work-life balance sort of as well? For me, I talk to God. So I read my Bible Mm. and if I've got an issue, I really just say, look, if I deal with this person, I'll be arrested. So can you please deal with them? (laughs) And I'm going to get on with it. And look, the reality is I say to people, the reason why I don't care about what people think of me, and I've said this to people when they're quite rude, I will say, look, unless you're God or my mum, I really don't care what you have to say to me. Mm. I really don't because I'm not here to tick boxes that you have for me and I'm not here to fit in a box that you have for me. I want to do what is right. I want to do what my job is and that's it. So unless you're God or my mother, not interested. And it shocks a lot of people, but that's me. Mm. And that's how I hold myself account to that and and have to pull myself up. Mm. You know, I have to say, well, this is the standard of how I want to live and how I want to do or what I want to do. Mm. And that's it. And that's why when things really get to me, I'm like, you know what, this is not my problem because I'm doing what I'm meant to do and I'm going to keep moving forward. You're doing it with purpose too because you spoke about that at the start. You know in your mind the impact you want to have. Yes. With your experience coming across a lot of people, do you think people take that time or or have often discovered the impact that they want to have or do you think that's a process they need to go through as well? Well, they need to be very clear of what they want to do. What is the outcome that they want to achieve? Because And it's okay to earn money too. So Mm. there's nothing wrong with earning money while doing that. But often people come to me, I want to help people. I say, well, that's irrelevant because really in life you should have that attitude anyways. But what is it that you you in particular want to do or what you can do that you've got a skill set in and focus on it? And a lot of people get scared to niche what they do. They're mm. too scared to focus on that little thing that they're good at. And if you don't do that, then people won't know what you stand for. They just think you're kind of a jack of all trades in a way. So I would say be very clear of what difference you want to make, what you want to build, what you want to do, and don't change your mind every 30 seconds. (laughs) Stick with it. (laughs) Stay the course. (laughs) I like that you talked about that as well because that's one of the things I see. Sometimes people come to you and they go, "I I want a career change. What do you want to do? What drives you? What fills your cup? What are you passionate about? And not being scared to niche in an area when it sounds from your perspective that niching is exactly what you want to do. You want to narrow down who your market is and where you want to be positioned. A lot of people don't want to admit what they want either because they feel that people will laugh at them. Mm. One thing I wanted to ask before we get into the rocket round because we talked about the fact that you founded Western Sydney Women. Was there something that happened or a story that happened to, Hmm. to... you know how people have those moments where they kind of something clicks and they're like, oh, this is what I have to do. Was there any story that really touched you before you did that or something that you saw that you wanted to change? Well, I grew up in working class and I never had an issue with much because my family will go, ah, go for it, give it a shot. But it wasn't until I you know, went to uni, was working and I'm used to the stigma. People used to make fun of me and I thought, you know, it was just really quite annoying. But I went to an event in the eastern suburbs and 
I was introduced by the host to other people saying, this is Amanda from Parramatta, but that's okay because she's gorgeous, she's smart, educated and dating this important person at the time. (sighs) And I just thought I'm the most confident person I know and that made me feel like crap. And I just thought, imagine what other girls are going through, what other women are going through that don't have the access that I do, that don't have the confidence that I do. And I'd already had the idea of Western Sydney women in my head at the time. And so I left that event and then built Western Sydney women and never went back. Love it. Have you ever been back to a similar event? I don't go to them now. Now they're all. (laughs) They're dead to you. They're like, oh, Amanda. Yeah, they're pretty much dead to me. I'm good at that. You're dead to me. And they they might see them somewhere else. I don't go there unless it's a client or a friend or something because why would I give that person the opportunity to treat me like crap twice? Mm. And very much of also now that I have built a profile since then, what's really interesting is they all then are nice to you because you've ticked the box and they're very much, we would like to invite you over to the good side now. And I'm like, no, let me just stay on this side with all my people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that you shared that example. Obviously that hit a chord with you and then Mm. you wanted to enable other people to have those opportunities and not be introduced that way because that's just ridiculous. Even for someone confident, that's just soul destroying. You just sort of feel like, I'm not worthwhile for all the work that I've done for. Yeah, just as a human being, you yeah. know, everyone is equal, mm. right? Regardless of how much money you have, where you live, people go, I'm more important than you because I wear this. I'm like, no, you're a douche <laughs> for wasting your money on that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Look, love your overview. I love your authenticity. I think so many people are going to resonate with this and I hope that someone listening to this can get that courage to put their put forward and be able to take, give it a go. Even if you, you don't know where you might end up as you're figuring it out, having the confidence and also pushing through those barriers and where you start from doesn't need to be where you end up. The possibilities are there. I think you've got some great organizations that can help people too. So I want to do a bit of a fun one now, which is the rocket round. And this is where we learn a bit more about you and what's behind the scenes. So your favorite book, I've got two, either my law book or the Bible. Oh, nice. And what's the law book? Like an actual? Yeah, I'm studying business law. Of course you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so you've got that and the Bible. Okay, awesome. Yeah. How, how far are you into the business law um, degree? Uh, so it's a graduate diploma in business law, so I'm halfway. Oh, is it really hard or how are you finding it? No, I love it. it? Love it? I love Interesting? It. Yeah. Love it. Okay, and your favourite holiday destination? Bermagui. Where's Bermagui? <laughs> South Coast. South Coast. Okay. Spoken like a Queenslander. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Gil is uh, laughing at me right now. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. Oh, man. No one says cats. Okay. And coffee or wine? Coffee. Coffee. And why Christmas or summer Christmas? Neither. No Christmas? No. Oh. <laughs> Which podcast are you listening to right now? None at the moment. Uh, I listen to the audio Bible when I'm driving or I'm on the phone. Okay. Awesome. And what makes you feel like your home? My mum. Oh, sounds like that. <laughs> she sounds like a good egg. Um, she is. I'm a big fan of your mum. Haven't met her, but already a big fan. She sounds amazing. Look, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really want to learn more how we can support you. I think your message is important. I think there's so many people that can benefit from so much of the great work you're doing. How can listeners get involved, support, do whatever they can for the organisations that you're working with? How can we support you? 
So essentially follow on Instagram or on Facebook. So Small Business Women Australia or Western Sydney Women and see what's available and participate. Be a part of the community and put your hand up and say, I want to be a part, comment, reach out because there's so many things you can do. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Building Doors. If you've got comments or questions, send them to hello at buildingdoors.com.au. And remember to subscribe, rate and review. See you next time.